What's good, friends? List episode 110 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Halo Infinite's first tech preview has come and gone, and with it came a ton of buzz with and around the gaming community. While more previews are to come ahead of the game's fall 2021 launch, was this first flight exactly what Infinite needed? So, this week, we discuss our first hands-on impressions with Halo Infinite, and just what exactly it did so right, and potentially so wrong. Does advanced movement still hinder the gameplay? Do maps feel properly designed? We cover it all and get you ready for 343's next flighting round. Also, Jay Allen Brack departs Blizzard as president. A potential leak could confirm a Battle Royale mode coming to Halo Infinite and much, much more. Coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around those damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, as always, be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, the whole work and roll, I tell you every week wherever you get a podcast at, and if we're not there, let me know. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travis, on most internet platforms. And joining me, as always, my partner in crime, my co-pilot, Mike P-Pack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And we can officially say that tonight, as of recording, we are going to be playing blah, 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 Back for Blood. If I can spit it out, we are going to be playing Back for Blood. That ruined all the hype behind it, but fuck it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just hyped in general, so tonight we're going to be fucking playing tonight! back to blood so that's one thing i know that you're going to be playing so i don't need to ask you about that but in general what you've been playing my man yeah um we've been playing more battlefield one enjoying that i'm still playing some valorant uh a little bit of halo uh, but other than that just the normal thing the biggest biggest mix up is continuously or continuing our trend of playing some battlefield one i even dipped my toe in a little bit i finally got in Took me 45 minutes of waiting, but I finally got into some uh, Splitgate beta. So I played it a long time ago, but I did get back into it a little bit. And uh, yeah, that was that was recently that I just played it. No, oh, yeah, yeah. And like, I've wanted to. It's so funny that like this is randomly like Splitgate has finally popped back up again. And I think it's because of the hype that's kind of been around Halo as well. Like, mm-hmm. I, I honestly think that's played into it a little bit. Not completely by any means. But I think I think now, especially, too, with so many people not getting into the beta that probably should have, like, I think that kind of has helped it, especially with the past, like, two weeks kind of, like, buffer that we've seen, too, of a lot of people jumping back into that game or for the first time, too. Um, and obviously, going on console, crossplay, everything like that um, helps it. But it's 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 crazy that... It's a game that you and I played back in 2019, had a lot of positive things to say about it, but clearly was, hey, this is a game in beta. This is a game that it is very early on. This is, we're boots on the ground with this right now. Um, And 
you could very well tell, hey, this is this is this game is being developed by a group of recent college graduates. And that's not in a bad way. That is not that's not anything. But you could tell that this is a game that's being built for a specific community. Like it, it's being built for fans of Halo, for fans of who want a PC Halo experience, obviously, before MCC came out fully. That is, um, you know, it's in taking their own twist on it, adding portal, to, you know, elements to it with the portal gun and things like that. Um, but it's so great to see that this game has now kind of blown up. And it's funny, like, I randomly was like looking through my like Steam library a couple weeks ago and saw like Splitgate pop up on there. And I'm still I've been a part of the Discord server for since the game launched um, and like still, you know, see some stuff pop up on there and different things like that. Still get some notifications. And it, it was funny, like I passed and I was like, I wonder if people are still playing that. And then like a couple weeks later, I just hear it's like popping off again. I'm like. Well, that shows how much I fucking know. Um, but I'm glad to see them get that like $10 million investment that they're going to be able to actually, now that they're pushing their launch back a little bit to really put that money to use with servers and whatnot. Like it, it's really good to see them kind of handle that. But I agree, like 45 minutes to two hours at times to just get in the game is, it's wild <laughs> um, to say the least. Um, but hopefully they get that ironed out as they head into their full launch uh, later this month so excited about that um of course you know on my end playing wise i uh, i'm not gonna talk about it now because i'm gonna save it for the bulk of the show if you're seeing the title of this episode you obviously know we're gonna talk about it but um played a ton of halo infinite finally finally i could say that it is an actual game it is real um it, it is, exists it exists i i installed it on my computer i'm leaving the insider build of course installed on my computer as a reminder of me playing this game and that it is a real thing um uh but yes it exists uh, i played a ton of it this past weekend um and i have a lot to say about it um you know i i'm not going to wait to say that i fucking enjoyed it so much um it, clearly if i put 20 hours into it almost over a handful of days like i obviously enjoyed it a decent amount for the modes that were offered playing against bots for almost 20 hours like yeah that's I'm going to, I would have to say that's enjoyable. Um, or if I'm putting that much time as a, in it, I'm enjoying it to some degree. Um, but I really enjoyed it. So, but I'll get into that. Obviously that's, that's down the road, but yeah, like you said, Mike been playing a lot of battlefield one, uh, back in the kind of the saddle with you guys again. And it's fun. Like when we do get to play, you know, operations and have a group of people jump into this game. Um, I think that's when this game works best. I, I enjoy team Deathmatch. I love, that traditional, you know, PC FPS experience that Battlefield is known for and has kind of like made its made its niche as a when people think of that before Call of Duty came on and before Call of Duty was the PC shooter until it obviously went console side and blew up there. Um, Battlefield really was that PC experience that people went to for large scale shooters and, um, you know, that not necessarily competitive shooting experience like a Counter-Strike or something like that, but more so that that almost sandbox exp shooter experience that you just jump in with a bunch of buddies to a custom game and sit there all day playing it, and you guys have hundreds of kills and stuff like that because you've been in it for four or five hours. Um, you know, it's that kind of experience, and I think Conquest worked best in that experience in a modern sense. There's still a lot of hiccups that, like, we talk about, like, 
why the fuck can't we just drag and drop into a game like any modern first person multiplayer game that we can't just fucking like everyone who's in a party with us get into the same game like how is it that difficult <laughs> um right you know stuff like that that it's still hang up, you know, hang ups like it, but we played it for three or four hours the other night. So obviously it was fun. Like we had a good time uh, for all of its flaws and it's something easy. We can all kind of jump in and play um, outside of that. I'm trying to think what else I play. I, I played a lot of Halo Infinite, so I couldn't really uh, outside of that really talk too much about it. But Battlefield one was the other big one I really played, but um, I don't want to kind of sit on it too. I played a little bit of MCC and stuff like that too, but um, and then we played a little bit of Phasma for real quick last night, but um, mostly, yeah, it's mostly my time was dedicated for the past since our last show to Halo Infinite, at least in the space of PC and Xbox. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll wait and I'll talk on that because there's obviously a lot of stuff we want to get into and pretty much dedicate a lot of the show to. But with that being said, Mike, let's head into button mash for the week to get you set up for that so we can get in to start talking about halo infinite and i can stop fucking saying oh wait i'll wait um so before we get into any of that let's head into button mash for the week if you're new to the show button mash is where we run through our quick hit news articles for the week to get you caught up and set the stage for the rest of the week before we get into our big topics and big news so button mash let's kick it off with of course Amid Activision Blizzard's legal scandals, the company has offered updates on some of its upcoming games, including that Overwatch 2 has, quote, passed an important internal milestone, and that Diablo Immortal has been delayed into the first half of 2022. So the 10 people out there who are waiting on Diablo Immortal, cool, it's coming. Uh, revealed during Activision Blizzard's Q2 2021 results, Overwatch 2 is progressing well, and the team is looking forward to revealing more of the upcoming sequel in the coming months. Quote, Overwatch 2's development passed an important mile internal milestone in recent weeks, Activision Blizzard said. After a great response uh, to the recent community update, the team is looking forward to revealing more of the game in the coming months as they approach the later stages of production. As for Diablo Immortal, Activision Blizzard shared that the team behind the mobile title has been hard at work at improving the game following the closed alpha, but it will need a bit more time to improve the gameplay experience. Quote, following feedback provided by uh, test participants of the closed alpha, our team has been tuning core and endgame features, Blizzard wrote. For example, we're iterating on PvP content, like the Cycle of Strife, and to, uh, to make it more accessible, alongside late-game PvE content, like the Hell Quarry, to make it more engaging. We're also working to provide controller support for those who want to play our game in a different way. And for as much as I joke about this game, I have heard it's actually a really good Diablo experience for the platform it's on. So to each their own, by all means, I'm more concerned about Diablo 4 than a Diablo mobile game, personally, um, and making sure that game sticks to the landing. But Activision Blizzard have much more pressing things to worry about, like not being shitty people. So... Maybe focus on that first before games. <laughs> so any delays are good at this point. Um, while hardly a confirmation, an audio clip within Halo Infinite's tech preview files has been discovered that uh, has been discovered that Halo's iconic announcer saying "Battle Royale." As, re as reported by VGC, this datamined audio clip was originally shared on Reset Era and includes nothing more than the world's words Battle and Royale, but could give hope to those looking to be the last Spartan standing. It's important to remember that 343 has previously gone on record to say that, quote, the only BR we're interested in is the battle rifle, but that comment was from 2018 and things can obviously change. 
And also to a quick PSA, um, be very, very careful going on the internet uh, when looking for Halo Infinite uh, because campaign spoilers are out there. Um, naturally, this happens with a lot of beta builds of games and things like that. The data miners, of course, will go out there and to a degree, there's nothing, if you ask me, nothing wrong inherently with data mining um, and getting information and it's, you know, there's nothing wrong to that degree. Um, it's obviously, though, shitty. Um, you don't want to see people out there spoiling and leaking stuff that, you know, no matter who's making this game, there's humans behind this making this game. There's creative minds behind this making this game, pouring their heart and soul into this game, you know. And that's a big moment for you to get to sit down and play this game fresh, especially the campaign and for how narrative-heavy Halo has been over the years. It's shitty to, you know, potentially. Luckily, knock on wood, I haven't seen any of them. I've been sticking clear of them. Um, just be worried that they're out there. Just a PSA for everyone. So we're talking social media, Reddit, Reset Era. Just be careful. And a lot of the communities that you would think you'd find Halo spoilers in, like a Halo subreddit and stuff like that, have been good at saying, hey, like, if you post this shit, you're going to get fucking banned. You're going to get this and that. So those hotspot, you know, areas that you probably find those are pretty good at keeping that clean. But... You never know. There's assholes out there, specifically on the internet. There's a ton of assholes on the internet. So watch out for that. Just a heads up. Anyways, though, moving on, like Cyber in or the uh, Cyber Saber Interactive. There we go. And Boss Team Games have announced that the Evil Dead, the game that was announced earlier this year, has been de uh, delayed to February 2022 to give the team extra time to polish the game and to add a single player option. The delay was confirmed on Twitter with the team sharing the news alongside, reassuring fans that this will allow them to create, quote, the ultimate Evil Dead experience you've been waiting for. Quote, Evil Dead the game will be releasing in February 2022, the team wrote on Twitter. Hey, groovy, gro groovy gamers, we're targeting a new release date to give the team some extra time for polish and to ensure this is the ultimate Evil Dead experience you've been waiting for. The additional time is also allowing us to implement a single player option that will let you enjoy the game when you are without your co-op compadres. Sales for Mass Effect Legendary Edition were, quote, well above EA's expectations. We're about to get into a ton of EA quarterly earnings tidbits that I thought were interesting. So buckle up for more EA stuff. The publisher stated Wednesday during its earnings call, like I said, with investors. Quote, the launch of Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the remaster of the first three Mass Effect games, reignited the passion of fans around the world, driving sales performance well above our expectations, said EA CEO Andrew Wilson. EA did not share exact sales numbers for Mass Effect's Legendary Edition, but it proved to be popular on Steam, reaching highest ever player counts for any Mass Effect or Bioware games. It reached an all-time peak of 59,817 players and was the second highest ever played count on Steam for an EA game, trailing only Apex Legends. EA CEO Andrew Wilson also told investors, quote, you should think of Battlefield as a service, indicating the direction uh, direction the first po popular first-person multiplayer shooter will take uh, with the upcoming Battlefield 2042. I think this is our orientation, but more important, I think you should think of Battlefield as a service, Wilson said during the same uh, Q1 financial year investors call on Wednesday. Notably, EA did not clarify whether or not the Battlefield franchise will release every other year like previous entries. The implication is that EA will continue to treat Battlefield like an ongoing ecosystem that sees regular updates. Wilson pointed to EA's continuing shift to live service focused games for the future throughout the investors call, saying games like Battlefield 2042 will quote, reinvent what our epic scale games are. 
on top of that, more EA news. <laughs> EA is continuing to move towards a larger live service uh, based game strategy as full game sales dropped 19% compared to the previous year, according to the company's latest financial report out of Wednesday. EA reported revenue of $1.55 billion for Q1 uh, financial year of 20, or fiscal year of 2022, up to 6.3% from last year. Net income for EA, however, dropped 200, uh, $204 million compared to $365 million the previous year. Despite the drop in, in game sales, EA's live service revenue is offset the loss up to 13%. EA attributes its growth to various live service aspects of most of its popular games, including FIFA Ultimate Team, Apex Legends, mobile games, and other franchises. EA said that more than uh, 31 million people have played FIFA 21 on console and PC since launch. Meanwhile, FIFA's Ultimate Team mode uh, matches have grown 48% year over year. And it's also too important to note, though, too, as they say this, even though there was a uh, drop in 19% with uh, Google game sales and you know things like that. Um, they did come out and say that hey, we're still investing in you know maintaining investing in the Jedi Fallen Order franchise, which is really important to me because that game's fucking awesome. That was my game of the year a few years ago. Um, if you haven't played, go out and play. It's on Game Pass. Um, so, but yeah, keep that in mind that they are still investing in successful. Let's put it that way. Um, and popular uh, single player full game releases like that. So. Fred not, don't worry. We're still going to get to play a sequel to that one day. Eventually. A major Assassin's Creed character is reportedly coming to Assassin's Creed Valhalla in one of Ubisoft's future DLC expansions for the game. As reported by Eurogamer, uh, news of the major character's supposed return was included in leaked quest data in dialogue lines unearthed by Assassin's Creed leaker Jonathan. In the past, Jonathan has reliably leaked details about the series, and you know he's a leaker because instead of an O in Jonathan, it's a zero, so... He's obviously a leaker hacker dude. So, tweet. Yeah, hacker man. He is lead hacker man. <laughs> uh, according to the data leak, um, a number of dialogue dialogue lines have been discovered, which seem to suggest that Cassandra, the beloved protagonist from Assassin's Creed Odyssey, will meet Igor uh, during an upcoming quest on a scenic Scottish Isle of Skye. Street Fighters Cammy and Gil, or Guile, I'm sorry, are officially joining Fortnite in the item shop on August seventh which you can get this weekend. It, as revealed by the Fortnite team, these two characters are the next Street Fighter characters to join Fortnite following Ryu and Chun-Li's arrival in February 2021. And I'm going to be pissed if we don't get at least Guile's theme song from there because that fucking shit slaps still to this day. <laughs> but it's got to... It, I, I would love for them to include like a an updated version, mm -hmm. but I would also love for them to have like an Easter egg where you can unlock like the old version. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, like the 16-bit version of it. Yeah. Hell yep. yes. A Half-Life 2 fan-made remaster titled Half-Life 2 Remastered Collection is seemingly coming to Steam with Valve's permission. Listings for the game were spotted on SteamDB as far back as last year, however, the page has been relatively dormant since. According to its SteamDB page, Half-Life 2 Remastered Collection is not being developed by Valve, but instead by Philip Victor, a modder who uh, developed the Half-Life update mod that launched on, Steam, on the Steam Store in 2015. Valve reporter Tyler McVicker added to the speculation surrounding the game in a tweet recently. McVicker said that he is able, quote, able to confirm the legitimacy of the project and that it is, quote, being made by the former Half-Life 2 update team. Um, it seems very in line with um, Black Mesa, the full remake that was fan-made um, of Half-Life 1 that was obviously put on Steam and sold on Steam and recently fully came out. Um, 
So it seems like Valve's okay with doing that and being like, yeah, you know what? We're not using this right now. Go ahead. <laughs> Unlike Nintendo. Um, and finally, let's get you caught up with some releases coming to Game Pass this month in August. So coming to Game Pass in August, Curse of the Dead Gods. It's a Dead Cells update. Um, Dead Cells, go and play that. Great roguelike. Uh, that's coming to cloud, console, and PC on August 5th. Dodgeball, Dodgeball Academia. Uh, coming to cloud console and PC. That's an ID and Xbox game on August 5th. Um, the next, what? One, two, three, four, five games coming on August 5th. Katamari, uh, the Mossy Reroll on cloud console and PC. Luminous Remastered on cloud console and PC. Skate is coming, the original Skate with EA Play, which obviously EA Play, if you have Game Pass Ultimate, is, is available. Skate 3, the cloud version of that, is coming to. EA Play with Game Pass Ultimate, obviously. And Starmancer, the game preview early access version of that for PC only is coming on August 5th. Art of Rally, uh, the cloud console and PC version on August 12th. Hades, the game of the year of last year for many people, one of the best roguelites out there. I'm excited to play that for the first time. It's coming to Game Pass on August 13th on console, PC, and cloud. Uh, Microsoft Solitaire Collection. There we go, baby. The premium edition. Mike, I know you're hyped for this, obviously. <laughs> um, coming August 17th, so go ahead, pre-install, get ready to go. Um, 12 Minutes, one of my most anticipated games this year, uh, coming finally to console, PC, and cloud on August 19th. And of course, Psychonauts 2 from our fine friends over at Double Find coming to console, PC, and cloud on August 25th. And of course, leaving Game Pass which sucks. Leaving on August 8th, Grand Theft Auto 5 yet again for cloud and console, and leaving on the 15th, Ape Out on PC, Crossing Souls on PC, uh, Darksiders Genesis on cloud console and PC, Don't Starve on cloud console and PC, Final Fantasy 7, the original version of that, uh, on cloud and con er, console and PC, I'm thinking cloud because of the main fucking character, and Train Sim World 2020 on cloud console and PC. And that's button mash. There is a fucking ton of stuff. So, Mike, as I normally say, after walking through all of that, anything you want to walk back before we head into our big topics for this week from button mash? I don't really have a whole heck of a lot to say about button mash per se. I think the biggest thing I have to say, I don't have anything to say about like specific um, topics on button mash. I think I will comment on the um, Mass Effect Legendary Edition mm -hmm. doing so well. It's obvious that sometimes people want classic experience. They want a good experience. And this is proof that from time to time you can like go back to the bread and butter of game design. And at this point in time, gamers are still going to play games that might not have the wackiest, cool new movement techniques or thrusters or or jetpacks or woo, I'm going to fly around or I'm going to build all this shit in 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 like three seconds. Like sometimes right. people want to go back and, and it and it doesn't matter. And this is a nice thing to point to, mm -hmm. you know, from a gaming standpoint, like looking at how bad the ninja gaiden collection got thrashed you know what's just... so funny about that not to interrupt you but i just pulled up steam to see if the mass effect legendary edition was still on sale because i'm like i still haven't picked that up and on one of the recommended things on there was the newest ninja gaiden master collection um that mm -hmm. they put out and i saw on there that it popped up saying i promise i'll let you get back on track after that mm -hmm. but 
the it was under the curator recommendations. It was like Metascore, 94 out of 100, user score, 88 out of 100. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. What the fuck's going on with this? Hold up, hold up. That's not true. <laughs> like, I know what this released as, you know. And looking on there, it seems like there's been a lot of, like, they seem like they've patched a lot of that now, from what it looks mm-hmm. like. Um, in the past, like, two weeks, there's a ton of really positive reviews, and it seems like they've kind of fixed that up. Not to, didn't mean to derail you, but it was just so funny that you naturally brought that up as I was looking at the fucking store page. Yeah, no, no worries. It's like, you look at you look at this game, mm-hmm. Mass Effect Legendary Edition, and we have Diablo 2 Resurrected coming out very soon, thank God. And you see these games that are classic experiences that are just doing really well. And it's promising to me because it's something that I, I can point to and say, as a gamer, look, like this is this is what can be done if you do something the right way. And I'm hoping other game studios look to this and say, look how good EA did with something so simple. We didn't have to add new features into a classic game like they did with Halo 2 Anniversary, which don't even get me started on. But like, don't put your grubby hands on something that was perfect to begin with. Like, just don't. You, the only thing you can do in that in that case is fuck things up. Look at Halo right. 2 Anniversary. Not that it was a bad game, but as far as comparing it to the classic experience, it's just not even close. Right. Just don't put don't bother putting your grubby hands on it. <laughs> Touch it up, do what you have to do, but we don't want new feature, features on a classic game. If we want to remake a remaster whatever like a remaster that's what we want but right outside of that there, um, there's a big difference between hey i want i i want to play the classic version of this game in a much more i don't want to say modern manner because then that gets into remake but i want to be able to play this classic version of this game in a much more easier fashion in terms of the hardware i'm playing this on like i want this to be more accessible in terms of like the hardware I'm playing on in the format I'm playing on, not necessarily the game itself where there are games like, Hey, I want, you know, with resident evil, Hey, we want a, you know, full remake of resident evil Two. You know, that's completely different where you're modernizing a game that, you know, respects its original, obviously, but this is a whole full different take on this game. And people understand that going in. It's not, Hey, we're taking, it's not, uh, that's where I kind of get a little hesitant on the blends that people talk about. Like, Oh, well, it's, it's, it's keeping to the roots of the game and it's making, we're wanting to make this game, you know, we're wanting to give you the same experience, but we want to add our own flair to it. It's like, no, like, no, I just want to fucking play Metal Gear Solid 1. Like, no, like, not that they're doing that, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I want to be able to just fucking play a game from my past again, like you're saying, like Mass Effect. I just want to be able to play that in the way that it launched because there's a reason why we keep clamoring for a remastered collection of that, not a remake collection of that. Like, there's a big difference, but I totally agree. Yeah, yeah and I just, I, I feel like... I look at these remakes or remasters, whatever you want to call them, and I see them, some of them like crashing and burning, whatever. And it's just like, I don't understand what went wrong other than people wanting to put their own creative flair on it. And again, we've talked about, I've I've always brought this up pretty much for the entirety of the show. I'm not in game dev, so I don't know what that feels like. But if you're contracted to work on a game and your entire process or your entire reasoning for being on the game is to recapture or rekindle 
that classic feel, which, by the way, hats off to, I mean, unfortunately have to give them kudos. I know I already brought this up <laughs> weeks and this is actually months ago because fucked act, fuck Activision, but mm-hmm. the Tony Hawk remaster, perfect, another perfect example of like what to do and what not to do. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what you do. That's, that's the type of game you make. And then the only other thing I really want to say about button mash is like, let's just as game developers stop putting dates on really like stop putting release dates on games. Mm-hmm. Just put question marks because even if COVID wasn't a factor, which it is, mm-hmm. even if COVID wasn't a factor, you motherfuckers can't get the games out on time right now. And we know like everyone knows if you're in the gaming sphere, you know, that game that companies are having a ton of problems getting games out on time. Mm-hmm. So just don't even bother giving me an estimation. Just well, move, that's like, good. like I, just keep I, it moving. <laughs> I, I totally agree where, you know, I, of course, like I, it's such a, it's such a double-edged sword where it's, you know, I want, I, yes, I'd love more transparency. There's a difference between, Hey, I want transparency and the, Hey, I want, I don't want you to put hard dates on there for no reason and hinder one, your, you know, create a vision of the game by trying to, you know, rush something or crunch or whatever. Like to me, that's why I like, I kind of give credit to that, even though it irritates me as a fan that I want that transparency of like, Hey, I would love to know that this game exists like type of thing, but I do appreciate people like for as Mimi as he is Todd Howard, who say, no, I, he, he's Mr. Like, dude, if I could, and he said it in multiple interviews, like I would not give a release date or I would not talk about a game until like, it's like, I give it like a week ahead of time. Like in grand, obviously that's super hyperbolic. I would not want that. Like, but the fact of like, Hey, we don't, he's like, I want to show you the best possible version of this game as close to finished as possible. So you know what you're getting. Like, I don't want to blow smoke up your ass. Like, I want you to know the game you're getting, whether you like it or not. Like, I want to be straight up with you and be like, you know, hey, here's Fallout 4. This is what the actual game is. This is what you're going to be playing outside of us, you know, polishing it up. Boom, here it is showing you in June and five months later, it's out. Like, that, like, yes, it's frustrating to wait that long to hear about this game, to be, you know, when we all know about it, already existing kind of thing. Like, but at the same time, I got to give him credit because he's keeping it 100 in that sense of like, I want you here is, here is the game that you're going to be getting on day one, or at least as close to this experience as possible. Obviously, you know, E3 demos, they church up and whatnot a little bit, but like Mm. to a degree though, this is for 90% of this, this is the mold that we want to give you. You know, we want to make sure you understand this is what you're getting, not, you know, for example, CD Projekt Red. Hey, here's a demo of this game that, you know, hey, it's coming out in a little bit less than a year. Get ready, man. And people are thinking, man, that's still, you know, about a year's time still from release. That's pretty good. They must be pretty confident in this game, yada, yada. It's been in development since, you know, 2012 or whatever it was, like at least pre-production-wise. Like, okay, cool, you know, like they got to be ready at this point and, or they got to at least be getting towards it. That should be ample enough time to polish up the game and stuff. And when in all reality, it wasn't, and it's more like, okay, just don't put a date on it. Like, and I know it's hard because they're, you know, a publicly traded company. And now Bethesda is technically a publicly part of a publicly traded company where before they weren't, they were still a private entity. They could do those things. 
Um, or at least, you know, Bethesda was, but like Zenimax was. Zenimax isn't tra- wasn't traded or anything. They had investors, but they weren't traded, like a publicly traded company. But even then, like, it's, it's still a private company. You can keep that on the DL where, you know, um, CD Projekt Red, they're publicly traded. Like, they have to answer to a ton of shareholders. Like, that's a problem. Like, to me, that is where, yeah, that's where I agree, where it's like, you're not keeping it 100 while you love to say, oh, we want to tell you, hey, we think it's coming out this time. Cool. Why don't you just keep updating me on the game and where it's at and say, hey, don't worry, it's coming. Or, hey, even if, it, okay, even a year. Like, even then, I'm like, eh, but at least a year saying, hey, we think it's going to be this year. Or, like, we think it's going to be in 20, it's 2021. Hey, we think it's going to be in 2022. Like, that's our time that we're aiming. We're not holding to that, but that's what it is. But even then, I'm like, just don't give, give a date. Just say, hey, we're working on it. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. We promise we'll let you know when we're ready. Like, I'll take that. That's cool. Like, I'm good with that. <laughs> I think yeah, so. And, I think so many like other people said, would be too. <laughs> it's tough with like the fact that of being a publicly traded company, I get that you're kind of stuck in this point where like you have to put out projections because the investors need to see where where you're at. The investors need to see what they are investing in. And all that does make like complete and total sense to me. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, like I just, you know, I get this feeling of like, I don't want companies and I don't want these developers to go through crunch. Like we've already had these, these conversations about how bad crunch really is for the game, for the culture, for everything. Mm -hmm. So like, if I'm worried about culture, it's pretty shitty of me to be like, I, I don't, I want the games to come out on time. No excuses. And I feel like that's something that this that the um, that the or that the industry used to do is just get games out regardless of the toll it took on the human beings that were making them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with all the bad press that Crunch has been getting lately, thank God companies are starting to go away from that. But at the end of the day, like if you are putting out these release dates and you're just disappointing people by delaying it. And at this point, everyone's just so used to hearing that the games that they can't wait to play are getting delayed that like, it doesn't even really affect a lot of people anymore. Like I know myself, I'm still, I won't believe that halo isn't getting delayed until I have it in my hands and play it. (laughs) Like I still wholeheartedly believe in my heart that that game's not coming out on time. There's just no reason for me to believe it until I see it. And I know people are going to be like, well, there's no way they're going to delay it again. And it's just like, just until it's out and you're playing it because like, let's be honest. Like I'm, I'm 100 and not to, I promise I'm not trying to interrupt you. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm right there with you. Trust me. I, I said last year, there was, there is not a fucking chance in hell. I mean, I would have bet my entire life saving. I'm glad I didn't because I would have fucking ate shit. And for once, I would have not been happy to eat crow on that. Um, I would have said there was there was not a. I've said multiple times last year. There's not a fucking chance in hell they delay this game. You don't delay launch games like that. You just don't. I mean, you, yeah, there that game is coming out specifically at the launch of this. Now, granted. I know we keep saying, hey, Xbox is a platform. They're not worried about how many systems. They, they want to sell systems, obviously, but they they want you playing their games, not necessarily, you know, we're more worried about you playing your game, our games, not how you play them. But they want to sell the system. It's a new launch type. Like, they wanted this game out there to push sales of this system, period. 
And that's, I mean, that's why most launch games come out. Look at Breath of the Wild. The It's the best-selling Zelda game of all time because it was, the Switch started taking off, and hey, that's the game to play. That's the game to play. So many people went out and bought a Switch while Nintendo was not hot in the streets at that point. As somebody who was a diehard Nintendo guy, they were not hot in the fucking, it was not cool to own a Nintendo console at that point still. Like, but you went out, I went out and bought it. Like, I bought into the Switch, not only because of Breath of the or only because of Breath of the Wild, I liked the tech and everything like that, but point being, I felt very comfortable doing that because I wanted to play Zelda. Like, I was going to do whatever, I wasn't going to buy a Wii U, I'm not going to go back, I'll go forward, I'll buy the new system to play Breath of the Wild. Like, that's why this game was going to come out, you don't delay launch games because they're set so much up around that. I'll pull my Series Xbox out of the closet right now, there's the fucking key art for Halo Infinite is on the back of the fucking box, that's literally the design of the box, like... This game was a launch. I would have bet the fucking house that this game wasn't going to get delayed, but it did. So I'm mm-hmm. with you. I find it much more likely that this that game or any game outside of a launch window gets delayed now. Like I would, I much more see it getting delayed now. Even though I think the game is in a really good playable state personally, but I can see it much getting delayed more now than it would have been last year if I would have been betting. Like, so I totally agree with you. <laughs> I don't think and you're wrong. <laughs> and it's not like, I'm not trying to shit on, on the game in general, but mm-hmm. like, just being honest, it, MCC should have been delayed for a year oh or God, a year yes. and a half or even two years. Like, realistically speaking, if they would have just delayed that game by a year, year and a half, it would have gotten none of the bullshit. It would have had none of the bullshit mm-hmm. that came with it. It wouldn't. It would have been so much better off. And again, it's just a testament to like game development is getting to the point where these games are becoming so lengthy to develop. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's a breakdown in the way that games are developed. If you know, let me just go out on a limb and say three four three con- and three four three is not the only company to do this but they're the one that comes most to mind. Maybe independently contracting everyone isn't the answer. Maybe the only thing that happens when you independently contract people so you don't have to pay them benefits and don't have to treat them like human beings, you get shit results. Hey, I'm not I'm not speculating that that's the answer or that the answer is to stop 1099 1099ing employees and stop independently contracting. I'm just saying that the studios that seem to have a more cohesive team feeling seem to put out games that are better. That's mm-hmm. just that's just me sitting from the outside of someone who's not inside on the game development side, giving you my honest opinion. I mean, and this I, is all a way to bring it around. That's like, I just don't put dates on games and let's start making it. Let's stop getting independent contractors to work on games. Let's start bringing back a team structure because who's getting all the money from these games at the end of the day? Like the games are making money. People are, people say that aren't getting that money. Yeah. Or people are saying average. They're not getting that money. People say that games on average lose money, Mm -hmm. um, which is the same with like movies and stuff like that. Well, who's getting the money then let's, we need to kind of, there's a lot of things that need to change Mm -hmm. in, in society in general. And who's getting the money is the biggest thing of what needs to be changing. People need to start taking, Meh. Instead of getting 250% profit on everything they make, maybe they should think about maybe only taking 150% profit and maybe investing that other 100% profit they lost into their employees. And maybe, just maybe, their product will be better and they'll sell better. They'll probably end up making more money as it is, but nobody Mm -hmm. wants to give up that profit margin. Right. And and I totally agree with that, where it's 
all I know is if I don't have to worry about, hey, in six months, no matter what, I got to find a job because I'm on a contract, like, I'm going to work better knowing that I don't have to worry about that. Like, I, I, I just, it, if I know that, hey, no matter what, I still have a job here at the end of the day, like, whether this, um, like, whether this is, uh, this game flops or what, like, I know I still have a job, like, if this isn't a, you know, 90 plus on Metacritic or not, like, that kind of thing. Like, I totally agree with you. And, like, and the sad part is, and I will, I promise we'll switch into the actual meat of the show here in a second, but, like, the problem with MCC was it was always built and designed to be a promotional item for Halo 5. And... Mm -hmm. The shitty part about that was not that people didn't want Halo 5 because leading up to that, we didn't know what Halo 5 would be. The Before we even, you know, or before we played the game, it was, you know, everything we saw with the campaign sound like the promotional material sounded really good. Like there were a lot of positives that people had with Halo 5 heading into it in general. I mean, a lot of people like you and myself wanted, hey, I'd, we'd rather stick to more traditional Halo. But you know what? I'm open to this. That's you know, a lot of first-person shooters are moving into advanced movement and things like that. Now that's just modern game mechanics. Okay, cool, whatever. But at the same time, you know, hey, we want this more classic experience. And we got that. And we finally got that saying, like, hey, here's your platform to just play this on. But it was always designed to be, hey, here's... It, it wasn't necessarily designed to be that, hey, here's that platform. Hey, here's that um, one-stop shop for Halo. Here's your to make sure that we're, you know, archiving this game and bringing, bringing this style of game forward to the future, like any backwards compatibility, you know, mantra you want to throw in there. Like we're making sure we're preserving this era of gaming for the future. Cause there's a large, large audience who still wants that while also keeping, you know, Halo has that bandwidth that it could probably could probably could do that, but it was never designed more to be, Hey, here's this. We're going to support it for a year. And then obviously we're moving to Halo five. Like, and then when Halo 5 shit the bed, they were like, well, fuck, what are we going to do for Halo now? Like, people want this. Well, let's, instead of being like, fuck it, we'll scrap it, we're just going to move on to Infinite. It's, hey, let's start building up goodwill. Hey, let's start, let's reinvest in this game. Let's go back, fuck Halo 5, let's go back to MCC and reinvest in that platform. Um, but, and that says a lot, and to me, it says a lot about them to at least say, you know, instead of saying, nah, fuck it, let's just start from scratch. No, we see what people want, let's go back and get that. Like, but, Point being, though, it, it, that's I agree. That's where it's like, if it wasn't a marketing tool for Halo Five, it would have been the experience we probably got today because it would have been delayed and would have been actually physically like given the proper time it needed, like we're seeing. Right. So, anyways, Mike, it was a long button mash. Even though we didn't have a lot to say about button mash, we ended up having a lot to say about button mash. <laughs> Let's head into the big topic of the show, and of course, it's more Halo talk because course the big topic's got to be the halo infinite tech preview the flight the beta whatever you want to call it the first one that we saw talking some impressions and personally um like i said at the top of the show i didn't want to wait any longer to say at least that i was very high on the beta that i play or the flight whatever you want to call it um technical preview is, technical, the, is the correct yeah, term technical preview is the correct term get with it you and I, who have done flighting now for a few years now, we've been in the flighting program for, you know, a handful of years now. 
have been used to the term flighting, have been used to these technical previews, things like that. Anybody and don't tell 343 that yeah. I've been involved for years. No, God forbid that you get a code with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, the in, in Andy Cortez with Kind of Funny brought this up that I thought it was very apt that I I was very like good on calling it technical preview, technical preview when I'm talking about it online and with, you know, uh, social media with the show and things like that, like referring to it as the proper way and this and that. He was just like, He's like, I got shit in the comments of my, like, the YouTube versions of my streams and stuff like that because I kept referring to it in the video and stuff like that as a beta. He was like, I know it's a technical preview. He's like, nobody else, Joe Blow, who's going to step in, who isn't part of this, like, the 1% of hardcore gamers or people who do content creation or media like us or things like that, who know what this shit, like, normally is or on the game dev side, like they're going to know what a beta is, or they're at least going to hear, have heard of a beta and they're going to put, Oh, okay. That's what that is. Oh, okay. Like a tech preview isn't necessarily, that sounds like it could be just like literally a quick, like sizzle reel or something like that. So anyways, though, tech preview, the technical term, but for ease, I'm probably going to end up just saying fucking beta for everyone. But anyways, though, um, I didn't want to wait to talk, uh, you know, at least say, hey, I'm really positive on this. I had a really great time. I it it definitely sparked something in me of not that I ever lost with Halo because I've been like you playing Halo this whole time um, with MCC and whatnot. But, um, you know, it, it definitely. It definitely was special that first time going in and booting up. And I even sent in our group chat today, like the menu music again, because I was thinking about it. And there were so many aspects of this game because we've only saw 10% of this game. If I even want to say that from a multiplayer standpoint, 10% um, that it it spoke volumes to what I was able to resonate with that game um, in multiple different ways. Um, And I'm like you, Mike, I, I, I prefer traditional classic style Halo where no advanced movement, um, you know, well, I, and not in, I, I, there's tasteful, nothing, tasteful advanced movement. Right, is fine right. With me. Yes. I should say that. And that's where I'm like, I even say like, I'm okay with modern mechanics with a lot of games. Like, I mean, I play, I play overwatch a ton. I play, you know, we've played Warzone a ton. We've played battlefield a ton. We've, we played a lot of these modern shooters that are out there. That, that every modern shooter now has advanced movement. I mean, that's just how it is. And that's just it. Because it, it, so many games are so fast, like shooters are so much fast paced or faster paced now. Um, and I've always kind of gravitated towards more of Halo's classical, a little bit longer time to kill, um, you know, approach to the, the game. It provided a good balance between both the arcadey feeling of a Twitch shooter and also the feeling of there's some tactical approach to this. Um, there's some strategy that you do have to have with it. And I, I've always appreciated that on, along with the fair starts and stuff like that. But there was a really good write-up that I want to kind of read first that um, I really resonated with. Obviously, Mike, I want to get your opinion on it, even though you didn't have access to the beta for some reason, um, that I want to get your opinion on, because I know you definitely kept up with it and watched you know streams and you know, took in as much of it as you can as a Halo fan and just somebody who's planning on playing this game and has invested so many hours and years now into, and I'm saying years and hours played probably of this franchise. Um, But 
that you know you want to keep up with it and you know know what's going on with the future of this franchise but i want to get your opinion on a lot of this but at least on my side and what i think a lot of people were positive on um article from peter uh Steptic over on game rant um more so on this being what this game needed i think and not necessarily hey positive negative whatever um more so i think this flight need to hit the, in the way it did for halo in general i think it would i think this is it, it no matter how this game does it needed this first step i think and the positive response to it so I, I think the article does that really well. I want to kind of set the stage of our conversation, at least with it. So let me jump into this. As always, link in the description. Go over there. Give Peter a, a click. Um, the guys over, and guys and girls over at Game Brand do a really good job. So as always, go over there and check them out. But let's dig into it. Fans have been waiting patiently for Halo, the launch of Halo Infinite after its delay into 2021 late last year. While the delay is by all accounts a good thing, as it gave 343 Industries the time the studio needed to make sure the game can meet the high standards set for it, it has also meant much more waiting for Halo fans. Luckily, this weekend's technical preview was able to wet, uh, wet appetites and give a look into what fans can expect from the next entry in the Halo franchise. Despite being relatively bare in terms of playable content, the Halo Infinite technical preview was the best thing that could have happened to the game before its release. Plenty of fans were trepidatious after the game was slapped with a year-long delay, so they wanted to be able to play it and decide for themselves if it would be worth it in the end. As most who signed up for the Xbox Insider app can attest, Halo Infinite is shaping up to be something special. Although it was received well by critics, the fan reception to Halo 5 Guardians was somewhat mixed. Fans, uh, some fans didn't like the direction that the story took, but others took issue with the way the game actually played. It goes without saying the long-running franchise should long-running franchises should adapt their gameplay over the course of each title, but Halo 5 took it a little too far. The game and its multiplayer felt much faster when compared to older titles, which isn't a bad thing, but it seemed uh, seemed to discredit the skills that Halo fans have spent years honing. The Halo Infinite tech preview seemed to be scaling things back in a way that feels more faithful to its older counterparts, while it also innovating in terms of what's possible with its mechanics. Halo 5 felt like 343's industry, er, 343 Industries was trying to chase some of uh, the success seen by other major FPS franchises like Call of Duty and Battlefield by including faster movement, lower lowering the overall time to kill, and emphasizing aiming down the sights of the, of the weapons used. While those features are definitely present in Halo Infinite, they feel like they're being put to use in service of the core of Halo's mechanics, as opposed to being added simply because it's what's popular in other shooter series. Perhaps one of the strongest features of Halo Infinite's technical preview was 343 strategic use of bots. Instead of having players battle it out amongst themselves in traditional game modes, the opposition in each match was entirely made up of non-player bots, which opened the door for fans to experiment with the game's mechanics. Instead of having to worry about going up against players who have been honing their Halo skills since 2001, fans were able to try things out because they felt more comfortable knowing that they wouldn't be or weren't about to get one shot from across the map until they turned on those fucking Spartan bots and they started teabagging and shit. Fucking robots are getting the AI and shit like that. It's getting too fucking far out there. Started with the spider. This is obviously an editorial. Peter didn't write this in the article. (laughs) Um, The fucking Spider-Man animatronic out. And it started with that out in Disneyland for the new Avengers campus, which looks fucking dope. Can't wait to get out there and check that out. But Seeing that thing fucking evolve from just kind of a hydraulic little arm to being this full functioning fucking AI, like flipping in the air. We need to stop. We're getting too fucking far. Now the bots and fucking Halo are starting to teabag you. No, 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 no. 
no, no, no. We, we got to fucking cut this. We're going to end up like iRobot or some shit. And I ain't being <laughs> Will Smith. I ain't. I much respect to him, but I ain't being him. I don't want to be in that situation. Anyways, though. Didn't mean to get... Anyways, that is until the ODST and Spartan bots show it up, like I said. The other part of the genius surrounding Halo Infinite's bots is that there were three levels of difficulty to them. Regular, ODST, and Spartans, each more uh, tenacious than the last. By having different levels of play on display, 343 Industries was able to give its players a sample of what the game might be like when playing both casual and hardcore opponents. While even the most intelligent bot might not be able to uh, be a perfect stand-in for a human player, it still gave fans the chance to see what the game might be like when played at different levels, cementing the idea that Halo Infinite will be widely accessible to all players with all levels of experience. So, like I said, I personally think Peter's article sums up a lot of my feelings on what I played last weekend and what I thought made the game so complimentary. And I think that's the that's the term that I keep coming up to is coming up with it's complimentary and it's not necessarily it's not compromising it's complimentary where there's so many aspects of this game now that we've gotten hands on it that i feel the roots of so many other halo experiences that i've played um in terms of more so one through three um that i really really enjoyed like i felt very much a dna of halo one while playing this um, I felt a DNA of Halo 3 and the ability to interact with the environment and map and things like that, that I really felt more, it, it felt more personal than I felt when playing Halo 3 maps and things like that, that like, I, I felt so many aspects of this franchise that through just this one beta that, in, in, and obviously I don't want to sound too hyperbolic with this, but it's it it was one of it was hands down once obviously it got up and running that was the big thing on thursday night that so many people were struggling to get in and get access to the beta um but it felt it might have felt the most natural i've felt halo play since halo 3 and i think that or at least in terms of I think it's the first Halo game, hands down, that I played that has truly felt, hey, this was this 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 feels both designed for controller and mouse and keyboard. Not, hey, we're adding mouse and keyboard support. Hey, we're making, you know, we're bringing MCC to PC. Like this, this is obviously being developed, you know, hand in hand with, you know, the Xbox version and the PC version both being developed at the same time. But this truly felt like a both PC experience and console like controller experience like i felt very much so going going back and forth playing both mouse and keyboard and controller during my time it felt very interchangeable it felt very natural where if i'm playing mcc yeah i'm gonna probably go you know if we're playing you know on halo 3 we're playing you know snipers or something like that a sniper playlist like yeah i'm probably gonna stick with mouse and keyboard just because to me using a ranged weapon on mouse and keyboard is 10 times easier, but anything else I'm plugging a controller and I'm playing on that, but there's a disconnect there. Like I'm feeling that like, no, this isn't the way this was meant to be played where this does, this feels very natural. And, and it's not that I'm feeling there's a compromise to that. It's complimentary where I'm finally feeling that halo experience across there. I'm finally feeling the traditional halo feel that I've been wanting to feel with somebody who loves playing mouse and keyboard on shooters 
I'm finally feeling the same way when I do pick up a controller and play Halo on a mouse and keyboard. It felt natural. It felt comfortable. It felt much more like, hey, I'm going to reach for my mouse and keyboard now instead of my controller the first time I picked this game up. Um, and and like I said, it's just complimentary. There's so many things complimentary about this game that I'm already starting to feel while booting this up, playing this. Um, I mentioned the music earlier already. Like, it... When I booted up 4 and 5, I could tell it was a Halo game, but that seemed to wear off a little bit. That seemed to... It, it didn't feel like, oh, this is a Halo game, but it's it's more, hey, this is the Halo brand. I'm not necessarily getting, uh, you know, hey, I'm buying, you know, a pair of... I don't even know. We're buying... I'm buying Jordans or whatever, and I'm getting an offshoot. It's like, yeah, it's, it's a Jordan shoe, but... I think they say, like, the Team Jordan. Like, people talk about, with like, sneakerheads talk about, like, well, you're not getting a real, like, it's not a real Jordan. You're you're buying Team Jordans, but they're not real Jordans. They're an entry-level shoe, this and that. Like, that's kind of what 4 and 5 felt like, where it's like, yeah, you're technically getting a Halo game, but it's more Halo-branded. You're not getting a Halo experience, where instantly from the time I booted up this game, it felt like a Halo experience. It's like mm-hmm. It's like jumping into a Bethesda RPG. There's it has a certain feel to it. It has a certain, nothing else has touched that since. And there's good reason because it's incredibly well-designed. And I think this is the first time where I finally can turn to 343 and say, yes, this is the feel I've been looking for. This is, this is what I've been expecting, seeing so many people transition, you know, from when Bungie, you know, finally left Microsoft and they moved on from their deal with Microsoft after Halo Reach to then go and do Destiny, but so many people started up 343 Industries in 2000, you know, when they started that up in 2007, like, you know, so many people who transitioned to that team who were from the initial Bungie crew, like, I could feel that DNA in there finally. And I think it's because they're finally getting to not only make the Halo game they want, but actually not chase, a not, I don't want to say chase clout or anything like that, because that sounds fucking weird, but like, more so they're not chasing trends they're not worried about it seems like they're finally just making a halo game not hey we Mm got to make a modern first person shooter like yes there's clamber yes there's sprint in this but spartans are slow even with sprint like their time to run like when compared to the original halo trilogy it's slow like it is very slow it's it's much more in line than people think like it, it it just it's the first time that i've been and i know i'm kind of ranting a little bit but um, and Mike, I want to get your you know thoughts on what you've seen and everything like that. But it's the first time that I'm truly feeling like this is this is what three four three has been working towards or envisioning for saying, hey, this is our Halo game. It's not, hey, we're having Microsoft worry of you know, and I'm sure it was Microsoft saying like, hey, it's we see this is X Y and Z is working in Call of Duty in Battlefield in whatever game you want to say we need more like this. We need more, you know, shooter tropes of 2011, 12, 13, 14. Like we need more of this in these games. It's like, well, okay, that doesn't always make sense. And, you know, but at the same time they signed the checks. So we got to have that. And if they're big boss is thinking that we got to kind of do it. Like we don't really have too much of a choice. And, but this is the first time where I think now that we're seeing guys like Phil Spencer, Matt Booty, who, you know, have been so integral to 
the Xbox ecosystem for so long who have seen, hey, no, we need to get back to the root of what we are. And that's we're we are a video game hardware manufacturer and a group that supports video game software as well from the first party standpoint. We're about video games. We're not about anything else. We're about video games and who power those video games at the end of the day are our players and our players want this. And all they're worried about is having good games and they know they're going to get the best games whenever it's, Hey, the developers are getting to do what they want. They're giving them the power to make the games and the creative freedom. And we're finally getting to see that. I think, I think this is the truly what a three, four, three halo game looks like good, bad, and different from what everyone thinks. I think this is finally a no bullshit approach almost. So I kind of rambled on it, Mike. Mike, I want you to give me what you kind of thought about it. I know you didn't get hands-on with it, unfortunately, um, which still boggles my mind. Um, but I I wanted to get your thoughts on it from what you've seen. Um, you know, obviously, kind of taking technical from in terms of optimization and things like out, out of it, because I had issues with optimization on my PC, which is a pretty fucking good PC. Like, I had issues with it that... I know I feel very confident they're going to be ironed out by launch um, that I'm sure they already are aware of and things like that. I'm not worried about that end of it more, more so the actual game itself. And really what is this positive response, at least, you know, whether you, I, I guess I should say on a general scale and whether, you know, you're super positive on it or not, and that's totally fine, but more so the response that Halo's getting right now, is this what this needed to for, this game right now to get people excited about it, to get people excited about Halo and get the conversation back talking about Halo, whether good, bad, or indifferent, to at least give this franchise another fighting chance, you know? So what'd you kind of think about all of this? Yeah, I, this is, it's kind of interesting. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that you had a positive feel and that you are feeling so high on it because realistically speaking, this is third time's the charm for 343, hopefully. You know, you mm-hmm. may, you had the sentiment that this is the first game that feels like Halo um, since you've been playing the game, and or since you've been playing 343 games. Mm-hmm. So um, that's promising to hear from you. Um, I was able to watch... I watched a few different people play it. So I watched some pros play it, and I also watched some... Um, Per, streaming personalities play it and and get their hands on it and try to see what how they felt of it and to me i saw a game that by and large looks pretty um pretty reasonable um mm-hmm. a little concerning that the game's been out for six years and this is the tech build that we get but um again it's a technical build it's supposedly two months old mm-hmm. it is what it is um personally the things that i saw that I wasn't the biggest fan of. And again, this is just going to be like, some people are probably going to be listening to the show, watching the show, and they're going to be complaining that I'm, I'm nitpicking. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. This bastard again. (laughs) They're going to, we're going to have the same people in the comments being like, God damn it. He can't just be happy again. But, (laughs) but fun fact, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, and you're it allowed is, to like it, and dislike things. <laughs> it it is what it is, and we are gonna go through. And I'm gonna say, um, you know, I, I don't hate. I didn't hate the game. The things that I noticed that were most concerning to me, anyway, was how much is going on on your screen at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like 
you're being bombarded by all kinds of stuff. And to that, to the point that I've talked with Adam about it, I've talked with, with a lot of people about it. I do feel like in general, um, Halo five, especially was a game that was kind of washed out. And what I mean by that, it was really hard to tell what was going on at times. Like it was totally common for me to feel like I couldn't see enemies and, that's definitely concerning. Um, I but... think, and not to interrupt you, but I think as as known for humor as he is, Donkey makes an excellent point. If you watch his uh, one video that he kind of talks about that, that he looks at Halo, he takes a screenshot of Halo 5, and then we'll put like, you know, Halo uh, 3 or whatever next to it. And like, we'll show the difference of, you see Halo 5, like, I have the same problem. And I have the same, I have a problem with that with a lot of, like, high-end AAA shooters anymore because they're so fucking busy on the screen. Like, yeah. there's so many lens... Like, you look at Halo 5, lens flare, lens flare, lens flare, shiny surface, shiny surface, tens of different... It's like 50 billion different assets going on on the screen that are in the same color palette. Like, that it's like... I it, it's so hard to tell the difference between a fucking rock and an elite. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I, I not to interrupt you, but I totally agree. Totally agree. And there's just, there's so much going on on the screen. I'm a little concerned at just how much I, you hear during a game. Also, like mm-hmm. there's just constantly people like the bots, like the other players on your team are like shouting call outs out. And some people might like that because you might want to feel like you're in a, in the heat of a battle. But for me, it's just a lot of white noise. It's a lot of a lot of stuff going on for almost uh it's almost like it's like there's no reason for all that to be going on. So that's that's some of the stuff that I saw that I could like nitpick on. Obviously the game didn't run quite as well as I w- would like it to. I was curious to hear about the fact that a lot of people were complaining about the exist like um slow turn or slow um, heavy aim was kind of present and it did seem like people were pretty happy with the mouse and keyboard aspect of it, which I will say that's, that's terrific that mouse and keyboard has some place in the game. Mm -hmm. And I could see myself certainly picking up a mouse and keyboard and having my controller in my lap, using it to BR and fight. And then when I'm sniping use mouse and keyboard, but um, yeah, I mean, from what I could see from the game, I'm just hoping that there's a lot of customizable things about the game. Uh, It felt, from a lot of people that I read, it seems like it felt a little clunky. I know you personally were really high on the gunplay. You really liked it. Mm -hmm. I read a lot of sentiment from people that I have played Halo with for a long time, have played Halo for a long time. They weren't that thrilled with the gunplay. They thought that it was really clunky. They felt Mm -hmm. like they were holding like a 15-foot pole, especially with the sniper. Yes, exactly. I completely agree. And you know me, normally, especially now playing Halo on PC and things like that, like, I exclusively pretty much play mouse and keyboard any, like, sniping. If there's, if I'm playing a scout class or anything like that anymore, like, especially if I'm playing any first-person shooter on PC anymore, it's, I'm playing mouse and keyboard unless it's Halo. But, like, even on there, like, I'm using mouse and keyboard with that, specifically to have a good feel of a ranged weapon and, like, the sniper to me was at times almost like unplayable, like a shockingly bad. <laughs> and that's, that's obviously not what you want. And the people that I read or the people that I have, that I talked to about it, 
there's like super elite, like they're some of the best snipers in Halo 3 and competitive, you know, and they have been for a while. So mm-hmm. and Halo 3 didn't have like the smoothest sniper compared to like Halo 2 was almost OP. Halo yeah. 1, Halo 1 meta, for those of you that aren't aware, one of the biggest things about I think, the Halo 1. I think 1... You, what you mean is aren't old like us. Yeah. <laughs> and the Halo 1 sniper, a lot of people, including like, I remember Walshy talking about it. When the Ogre Twins showed up to a Halo 1 tournament, like the first time they showed up, like people just didn't really snipe. Like mm-hmm. they, they sniped, but it wasn't as useful as people thought. But the Ogres talked about the lands that they, that they would have at their house. And evidently they were like at these lands, they would just play chill out and they would just play snipers only basically. Mm-hmm. And they just got so good with the sniper. And when the ogre twins showed up to a tournament one time, when they weren't on Walshy's team, the ogres just changed the meta of playing competitive halo because they could snipe and no one else in the scene really bothered with the sniper at that point in time. So things change, things happen. We get that, but for it to be like the worst sniper of all time is pretty bad considering I will say there are games that the sniper was too easy. Halo two feels like one of them. Um, the only thing that really saved Halo two and some of you might not remember this, but I remember it cause I've played Halo two competitively recently um, is actually you, there was no bleed through. And what I mean by bleed through is in Halo three, if you shoot someone three times with a battle rifle and then hit them with a sniper bullet in the chest, there's bleed through on the shield and you'll get the kill. Mm-hmm. In Halo 2, that didn't exist. So if someone was like, if you call out one shot in Halo 2 and someone snipes them, if they have a little sliver of shield left, you will only make them one shot. So that's a big deal in Halo 2 is like not calling out incorrect one shots, especially when they if they have shields, right? Mm-hmm. So... There's all kinds of things, and and this is like a nitty-gritty thing that, from a competitive standpoint, a lot of people aren't going to care about. But for me, personally, it's just just like there are a lot of causes for concern, but I'm trying to be optimistic by saying it's a two-month-old build. That's the only thing that, like, I'm clinging to as far as hope going forward. It's not that it's a hopeless game, and from a casual standpoint, it looks really interesting and fun. I thought a lot of the features added with like the academy, the weapons academy and stuff, all all pretty cool things. Um, the gameplay does concern me. Um, the effectiveness of assault rifles concern me. Mm-hmm. It seems like they didn't learn anything from Halo Five competitive. The radar is pretty crazy strong. Um, the pistol seems a little wonky when you're aiming, and that has to do with heavy aim that was present in Halo Five and Three Four Three denied its existence for a long time. And then they finally came out like a year ago and said, yeah, you guys are right. That exists. We just didn't admit it. (laughs) So it's like, okay. Um, and it's still a thing. So I could see the meta being like super people just playing mouse and keyboard. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but personally, the only other complaint I really have is, is esports related. And this might not be the place for it, but the open, tournament like the open bracket because they're running with esports engine and they're hoping to have 200 team tournaments again the open bracket's going to be played on the xbox series x and then you wouldn't play on a pc until you get to the pro division so like if i really want to compete in halo if i don't make it to the pro um bracket online and qualifiers i have to show up to the event and play on a series x and i'm not gonna like buy a series X rate. Like I'm just not going to buy a series X to go compete in halo. So that's the only thing that's really 
uh, concerning to me. But outside of that, um, it does seem like there's a lot of good things, a lot of good things with this game. Um, most of the stuff that I could complain about anyway, seems like it could be fixed relatively easily. So long as, um, this two month old build had a lot of updates done to it going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and the one thing too, I meant to bring up that I was a little worried about heading into it. Uh, when I first saw that, Hey, we're moving away from, um, red versus blue or, you know, whatever colors you want to do. But obviously with halo, it's been red versus blue for so long, um, for, um, you know, team based games, we're going into outlines and things like that. I was very worried about, hey, how is this going to actually transpire in terms of me playing? Am I going to physically be able to see an outline of a player and everything like that? Because I I have still have some, and this is hyperbolic, obviously, but I have some shell shock from Halo 5, Halo 4, and seeing how busy the screen was and things blending in so easily and knowing you how... Can, you can say it. You can say what you really want to say about it. You can call it bad because it's what it was. <laughs> I, 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 hey, I'm on record with saying like I, I enjoyed the campaign of Halo Four. It wasn't the best one by any means, but like I enjoyed the story that they were kind of going with. Um, and now that we know that Bungie's original idea of the next trilogy of Halo games and what they were doing for Halo Four was pretty in line with that, like I feel pretty good about like being like, yeah, okay, that made sense for canonically. But at the same time, too, like I and I've even said not saying that it's good, but like Halo 5 story wasn't that bad. It wasn't it wasn't god awful. It wasn't what I wanted, but it wasn't god awful by any means. But the experience in Halo 5, while a lot of people liked it, was not to me a Halo game. I did not get the Halo experience out of that. And like I said, because a lot of it was it's just so fucking busy. Like it's that is bad to me. Like everything is just busy, busy, busy on the screen that it's so hard to see. And that was my worry of like, well, shit, yes, this does look like a more, this does, the art style of this game reminds me more of Halo CE and the original trilogy, but more so Halo CE in terms of its peeled back nature of it's going, it's, you know, emphasizing more matte colors. It's, it's, there's not as many lens flares, things like that, that, it doesn't seem as it seems more poppy in a good way where you're able to focus on actual assets going on, not the lighting necessarily. And the lighting can emphasize more of the shadowing and makes things look more detailed in a good way. That isn't lens flare lens flare. We're watching a fucking transformers movie like where I was worried that, Hey, how are these outlines going to transpire? Like, am I actually going to be able to tell reasonably that, Hey, that's an enemy that's coming at me. And I'll be honest, I think they did a really good job with that. Like, I, I am shocked at how well I liked it. I did not think I was going to... I thought I was going to be very pissed off at the end of the day from this. Now, granted, a lot of bots were still blue when you're playing against them. But when we did get into playing some PvP Sunday night... I, yeah, it was Sunday night that they implemented it for, like, two hours. It worked well. It worked good. I was able to tell, like, hey, that's an enemy. Hey, that's, you know... it. it it was able, you were able to, as somebody who, you know, was playing to win, playing competitively in that sense, like, I want to know, I want to be able to, I'm trying to, you know, play to the best of my ability. And that truly felt like I was able to, because the game wasn't limiting me in that sense. My own skill was limiting me, which isn't very much, but like, you get what I'm saying? Like, I, that wasn't a, that wasn't a holdback. And that was probably one of my biggest fears going into playing a game that is 
I'm clearly playing for, I'm playing this because it's a PVP experience. Like overall, like I want to be able to see my enemies and luckily I was able to like, it's actually, that was one of my biggest worries with four and five. And I'm so glad you did bring that up. Like talking about how busy everything was on the screen, that everything just blends together half the time. So, but overall, I really, I really did like it. I, I thought my time with it for what it was, and granted, like I said, we're seeing such a small sliver of this game. I I didn't even hinder too much of the actual performance issues of the game that I did have. Like every time going in, like I'd have to change my it does it doesn't save your luckily it it saves your key bindings and things like that, but my field of view. I play I'm a fucking weirdo and I like the fisheye of it. Like I didn't crank it all the way up, but I put it to like 95 or 100. I usually kind of went back and forth between there. But it would default back to 70. And, you know, I'd have to go in and change that every time. And sometimes if I do that, it would kind of soft lock me into if I if I started searching before that for a game and I didn't and I thought, oh, shit, I didn't change that yet. Instead of doing that, once I get into a game, I'll do it now. It would kind of soft lock me into like a never ending loop of disconnecting to servers. So I'd have to quit out of the build and get back in. But it's stuff like that that I'm like, OK, this is a tech preview. I'm not worried about this, this is a beta. I'm, this is expected. And. I reported this thing saying, hey, this is what's happening, yada, yada. Um, so it's, from what we've seen of this game, take all of that out. Like I said, this felt like the most fun I've had with a Halo game since the original, playing MCC, obviously, and stuff like that, but the original trilogy of Halo games, where I felt like I'm playing something wholly unique again. I'm not playing generic first-person shooter anymore. I'm playing, I'm playing a, I'm playing a Halo video game a Halo first-person shooter that is in line with what I've wanted from this franchise for so long because it has been wholly unique. Nothing like an original Halo, nothing like the first three Halo games, even Reach to an, ex to an extent, but especially the first three Halo games and ODST, you can't necessarily point to something and say, yes, this does this. This is just like this. It, you can't. And same with, it, it has that Bethesda effect of, yes, Skyrim, or uh, yes, Elder Scrolls and Fallout, they borrowed a lot of things from, you know, when they first were being made, they borrowed a lot of things to kind of make their own, but now they're wholly their own thing, and nobody can really point to something now that says, oh, that's just like Fallout. There's a lot of things that people take from Fallout, and a lot of great RPGs that take from Fallout, look at the Outer Worlds and things like that, that you could tell the DNA is right there, but... Nothing does it as good, or nothing does it, maybe not even, a, I'm not saying as good, I shouldn't say that, but like, nothing does it quite like a Bethesda RPG, where that's how Halo and the original Bungie games were, that now I'm starting to feel that again. You know, I'm starting to feel like this is wholly unique. This isn't, this isn't anything, and I think the way that they did actually, in Peter's article too, I like that he emphasized I'd much rather just jump in and play PvP. I didn't want to play against bots, whatever. Like, I wanted to play PvP. I wasn't... It, I was pissed at first. My my invite got late, or came late, and I was like, oh, fuck. That's annoying. But at the same time, you know what? It's bots. Like, I'd rather play PvP, yada, yada. But once I got in there and started understanding why they went about that route, I was like, it makes sense. Because I was able to learn the mechanics. I was able to... And I know how to play a Halo game, but more so, like, I'm able to actually get in there not worried about getting pegged, especially when I'm playing against the fucking normal bots or whatever. Like, 
I can go in and mess around on the maps. I can go in and get a feel for this game and actually break it in a little bit and, you know, learn how movement feels and how, and not just, you know, climbing over things and whatnot, but the momentum of the game. Like, I, I'm able to actually get a feel for all this. And I really think I align with Peter, at least on this, that the franchise needed this moment for this release in terms of, hey, it needs to have a positive out the gate in terms of in general. And I totally agree. There's not, I don't love everything with the game, but you know what? Like there was a lot more that I liked about than I didn't. And so did a lot of other people. And I think that was that moment that it needed of, this is the first time people are actually seeing cut from gameplay, not, you know, sizzle reel, anything like this. This is actual sit down, boom, you're playing this fucking game, like gameplay. And it came back positive and it got people excited. And I think that's, Anything less than that, I think with even with this tech preview, it it would have I don't I don't know if it would have recovered. Like I really don't, and and I think that's how important this was. Um, and yeah, maybe that is a little overinflated saying that, but I stand by that because I've seen we both have seen where Halo's been for the past fucking decade at this point, and it mm-hmm. hasn't been a good thing. It hasn't been something that. Everyone kind of turns to it. It's always Halo past tense. It's never Halo, you know, present or anything like that. So I'm excited about this game. Um, you know, I, I'm excited to see where it goes as we get closer to launch. I'm excited to see newer builds of this game. I'm excited to see what this game feels like in two months when we get back into it, probably, because we probably won't see one or next month, probably, I would imagine. We'll probably see either a September or October flight. I I don't think we'll probably see one this month, but we'll probably see one at least next month or the month after um, and s- feel how that build feels and see where that stands at and hopefully do more PvP. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited for this game more than I've ever been, to be honest. Um, and that's not even in a, hey, everything I touched in this game was positive. There are some things, like you said, they need to really figure out, but this is the most positive I've been playing a Halo game outside of the original trilogy in a long time, a long time. So anyways, Mike, let's head in. We got one more news article that I kind of want to just run through real quick, just to kind of give everyone an update on the blizzard situation. Like I said, not to end on a sour note, um, but something that at least is in trending in probably what I feel is the right direction. Um, so Blizzard president departs as game maker faces labor lawsuit. This comes from Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg. As always, go over to Bloomberg, check out Jason's writing. He does incredible investigative journalism over there. Um, but go over there, give him a click uh, as we dive into it. Blizzard president Jay Allen Brack is leaving the company amid a cultural reckoning at parent Activision Blizzard Inc. over a California lawsuit alleging sexual discrimination and harassment. Brack's departure was disclosed in an email to staff on Tuesday, which was reviewed by Bloomberg. Brack will be replaced by Jen O'Neill and Mike Yabara, the new co-quote co, uh, co-leaders. Mike Yabara actually long time, long time at Xbox with their live services uh, going over to Blizzard semi-recently. I think it was last year or the year before, something like that. But uh, really, really talented staff from that end. Um, so I'm excited to actually see what he does in the transformation they have with that. But Sticking to, obviously, the more pressing issues with that, but the new co-leaders of Blizzard. The share fell 3.5% on Tuesday. A human resource executive, Jesse Meshik, uh, also left the company this week, according to an Activision Blizzard spokesperson. 
Meshuk was the senior uh, people officer at Blizzard and the unit's top HR representative. Blizzard maker, uh, maker of Warcraft and Diablo games was the main subject of accusations contained in the lawsuit from a California state agency. Many of the allegations took place before Brack was named president in 2018. Still, Brack came under intense scrutiny after the complaint was filed over his leadership style. A video of Brack at a company event in 2010 resurfaced on social media, uh, showing him on a panel with colleagues laughing off a question from a woman about the sexualization of female characters in the World of Warcraft game. O'Neill ran an Activision game studio called Vicarious Visions before joining Blizzard as an executive in January. Yobara worked at Microsoft Corp. for nearly 20 years and managed Xbox's online services before going to Blizzard in 2019. In a statement, Brack said his successors, quote, can be trusted to lead the highest level of integrity and commitment to the co uh, components of our culture that make Blizzard so special, end quote. So, um, you know, while I think that what we said previously about the story, uh, Blizzard story still definitely rings true. Don't be shitty human beings. We need to be better. We need to hold ourselves and more people accountable um, and grow as human beings and, you know, call shit out when we see it, everything like that. And that, you know, this is definitely the right way to go um, with it. Um, I don't think any anyone would say that they're completely shocked by the departure of Jay Allen Brack. Um, I think it's natural and I think it's the right move. Um, I think it's just safe to say it was necessary. Um, and it doesn't look like this could, you know, be the last potential firing or I don't want to even say firing because they, it sounds like they've made him step down. Um, but departure, I guess we could say. So Mike, do you think this horrible situation at Blizzard kind of looking at this as a positive, or not a positive, but trying to look at this as a way to make positive change in gaming after all these horrible, horrible fucking things that we keep hearing about this. Do you think this horrible situation of Blizzard has the potential to be this watershed moment in gaming, be this catalyst that drives and forces change long-term? Do you think as more and more things come out about what happened at Blizzard over the years, you know, do you think this has the potential now that we're seeing it so much bigger to be this kind of catalyst for change long-term and actual make, actually make viable change within our industry yeah i i think this is kind of kind of taking the the hood or taking the mask off of um you know kind of looking under the hood of what's really going on and this is something that in the gaming community and in the game development community people have been talking about for a long time just as far as just the mistreatment of individuals not even in these sexist manners that that has been happening. Mm -hmm. um, we're talking about just straight up negative things that have happened to people. Now mm -hmm. pile on the fact that we've also heard the rumblings that emails were getting treated improperly and impolitely, like they have been. And then you kind of boil it all in a cauldron. And then all of a sudden it explodes like a bomb has gone off. I think you see it here in a good way. Not almost, not so much in a good way. Like it's never a good thing that something like this would happen, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's something that you can kind of point your your finger to and say, okay, like I see what's going on here. Um, we see what's going on. These things are coming to light. We can now start to figure out the boogeyman here and figure out what's really going on and what we need to do to fix this situation because. I think part of the independent contractor work, I think part of the issue in game development is the mistreatment of individuals, especially of of minority groups and women that 
it's all coming to a head and there's a reckoning coming coming for game development studios and i think this could be the spark or this could be the lighting of the of this could be the the lighting of the wick that you know eventually gets to the dynamite and explodes and we're going to see there's more people out there that have been working in a in the gaming world that have been acting like assholes mm-hmm. and scumbags and this isn't like they're not the only studio that is behaving this way and they they're they're not going to be in and, and there's other studios out there that have that have behaved like this and will behave like this mm-hmm. and at the end of the day i'm just hoping that at the end of the day this entire shitstorm that's come out about activision will point other dev studios into the way of like there's no studio that can be big enough that can overcome this type of behavior mm-hmm. and you know blizzard's not going to go out of business and activision's no. not going to go out of bi- out of business over there but there's a lot of studio executives and and higher-ups that are going to be on notice because of this mm-hmm. and i'm just hoping from a gaming standpoint that some of these old heads that are obviously scumbags getting them the fuck out of here might breed some new life in here and we might get new call of duties out there that um you know might be original instead of just recycling everything and all that kind of stuff i think getting new fresher faces in these higher up positions that are collecting way too much in wages hopefully will um you know breed some some positivity no, definitely. And and you made a I mean, even today we're hearing about or well, it broke last night, but um, Fulbright, the studio that was behind um, Gone Home, a game that I always talk about, Tacoma uh, and then Open Roads coming out. The co-founder from there um, stepped down as creative director from Open Roads, the game that's coming out, their next game that's coming out soon um, because of the same thing. Um, you know, and like you said, it's not. It's a domino effect. I mean, it's going to be it's it's very similar to, you know, what we saw last year, um, you know, during the Black Lives Matter movement um, that more and more stuff. It's a domino effect that we're finally going to, you know, people are becoming more and more willing and feeling strength to be able to come forward and talk about these things that are going on and, you know, all the shitty things. Granted, all it takes is as shitty as it is an unfortunate event to happen to be able to be this catalyst to hopefully get people talking about these things more and more people coming forward to say yo this was fucking bad like this person did this and this isn't right like whether or not they're reprimanded it needs to be known that it wasn't right you know and and we need to change we need to be better we need to and that's the thing we need to grow we need to be actually better but it doesn't happen without starting with people being accountable and you know bringing this up but i you know i agree that it's 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 only the beginning of what we're going to be hearing about probably a lot across the board uh, from not just blizzard but it, it's all the way from the indies to large triple a and it's it, it's sad it's just it's heartbreaking it, it's one of those things that just breaks you kind of it's like games are supposed to are such a creative aspect in interesting way to tell stories and they bring people so many there's so much joy that same with movies and things like that that like it's art it's supposed to bring you you know it's supposed to provide you with 
you know, something emotionally. And it's in most people, it's pleasure, especially video games. You're playing it and you're getting pleasure from playing these and something that's just so disgusting that comes out of it. Like it, it's just hard to fathom, but our world's a fucked up place <laughs> to say the least. And our, yeah. this industry that we love is even more, but we need to definitely be better people. And hopefully as bad as this situation is, hopefully it's like, right. And like skeletons are starting to be, starting to be found in the closet and the further you dig the more you're going to find and hopefully i hope to god this is like the worst thing but i'm just fearful that it isn't Mm -hmm. but the the bright side to that is we can start hitting this face on and figuring out where we go from here and how we can be so much better right i agree so it's it hopefully is if something horrible you know if it takes something horrible like this to happen hopefully something good can you know change can come out of this you know if that's how you want to look at it but anyways mike send a party chat before we wrap up the episode this week if you're new to the show party chats where we propose one question at the end of each week that we want to just discuss could be as simple as what's your favorite story being the game you know what are you going to be playing during the next quarantine that we're probably going to go into <laughs> kind of thing with the pandemic of course um you know, or, you know, could be a little more deep as to, you know, why the negative stigma in gaming still exists, things like that. Um, and answering it ourselves, we'll kick it after that. We'll kick it over to you to hear your answers, um, whether it's tweeting us at GPGC podcast with your responses or emailing us at bonus gmail.com. And we'll read some of them the following week. Last week's question, Sean Lane, former president of Sony Worldwide Studios, recently said that he doesn't believe that subscription on-demand models are sustainable long-term for game development. Do you think that's correct, even with Game Pass's success? And Carter D. emailed us saying, I do because we continue to see costs to develop games grow and an exhausting rate that more than likely won't be able to maintain long-term outside of Microsoft, who has the capital to do so. So, This week's question, Mike, do you see Microsoft maintaining their commitment to PC gaming long term or will it fizzle out as it did with games for Windows Live? Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Games with Windows Live, that's a that's a soft spot in my heart because, you know, Shadowrun. uh... Oh, it's a soft spot. It definitely is. But it also is a pain in the ass now in 2021 to play these old games (laughs) it definitely limits that i think as we get more and more advanced technology in the gaming world i think you're seeing games and systems that run closer and closer to a windows operating system Mm -hmm. so i think the porting over process is becoming easier and easier so i think it'll be easier and less um costly and less resource heavy to port games over to pc than it, than it was in the past. So I don't think it's going to die off or fizzle out um, like, you know, Windows gaming mm-hmm. or like the w- game, Windows Live, whatever they called it. Um, but I do see it like I the reason being or the reason that I don't think it's going to fizzle out as as quickly is because it's just easier for them to port games over nowadays than it ever was. Um, and I think I think that's evident with how good the Mass Effect remake was and everything. But with all that being said, um, I, I just don't see where they're going to give up on on this on this um, marketing right now because I think it's it's too successful. I think they're making a lot of money and I think they're having a lot of success with it 
mm-hmm. not that they weren't successful previous, but the Xbox One generation was kind of rough. So I'm hoping that they stick with PC because it's nice to be able to play it on my PC also. Oh, for sure. And and I'm the same way that I'm I, I don't I see them hanging on as long as PC gaming stays relevant and PC gaming is only become gonna become more and more relevant as console gaming becomes more like PC gaming. Um so I, I see them long term for sure. Um I think they're moving away from the arbitrary, you know, uh how do I wanna how do I wanna phrase it? These things that were so evident back in the early parts of modern gaming that we've seen like these infrastructures that are very dated and very overcomplicated and very it's almost like design aspects too like the ps3 with its cell processor that's limited so many so many um you know archiving and restoration and you know long-term keeping of games on that platform that it's so hard to take anywhere like metal gear solid four is stuck on that platform. You can't take it anywhere else um, because of its cell processor. Uh, the, un- the three uncharted games and, uh, and the last of us had to be pretty much like retooled to be able to be able to, you know, they had to be, you know, redone almost to be able to move forward to PS4 and, you know, actually run on unreal and things like that. But like, it's, I, I think as we move forward and we see more unanimous support across all platforms, PC gaming has now just become, yeah, like there are, there are, you know, DRMs that come with steam and things like that. And, and Microsoft is no different with the Windows store and the Xbox app, especially with game pass. But at the same time too, that is much, much, much more a subscription service is easier to maintain with that. And okay, cool. I, don't have the subscription i can't play the game anymore i don't have the license to it where games of windows live is just a pain in the ass to get around now to play anything because it's so innately tied to just like running the game and once the game is you know that the game was built around that you can't run it anymore um it's just a pain in the ass but uh, yes i think i think we're going to see i think we're going to see much more long-term support now that it's just a much more viable platform and and casual platform for so many people so Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs to talk about everything we talked about today. Halo Infinite, of course, the big one. Um, anything with Blizzard that we talked about. All the stuff we talked about in Button Mash. Where can people find you on the internet to talk about that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at T-O-I-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. Or you can find me on Twitch at uh, MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist, on most internet platforms, including at Travelus underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelus underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live or just regular old Travelus. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games you can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every friday morning on youtube apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify soundcloud and all other major podcast services so be sure to subscribe to us rate us review us all that jazz i tell you every week wherever you get a podcast at and for not on your podcast platform of choice let me know we'll get you on there don't worry we'll, we'll get you taken care of 
And of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And Mike? That's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on. Wash your hands. Listen to the doctors, especially as the shit's starting to stir up again. Fucking be smart and be careful. Um, as always, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.